offering. Bless her tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. I want to sing a new song. Shout it. chapter 4. Maybe I'm allergic to the pulpit. Suddenly got congestion and stuff going on here. So if there are any sounds that come across that are undesirable, just (laughs) forgive me. (laughs) I'm going to say something. I don't mean to be critical but in, the, in light of the fact that we are approaching very quickly, very rapidly, the coming of the Lord, I've been listening to Jared Kushner's book, and he's the one that did the Abraham Peace Accord. We're so close to not be in church on Thursday night is absolutely insane to me. Sister Bruce is not here for good reason. Somebody had to stay home because of a prospective delivery. But I'm to not be in church. It's just, it boggles my mind. <clears throat> Acts 4, 32 and 33, and the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and one soul. Let that sink into you now one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The phenomenon of agreement that was exhibited by the church in Jerusalem uh, may have begun with 120 disciples in an upper room. But Luke's account of these events says that the multitude of them that believed were also of one heart and of one soul. In other words, the church grew into virtually multitudes. Of course, the first day it grew by 3,000 souls, and yet they did not lose that insatiable bond that so united them together. What we hope to accomplish tonight in this short time that we have together and in among a small crowd, it's awful hard to, to teach unity to people that aren't here. 
that aren't a part of the, the, the Bible study. Uh, but what we hope to accomplish is to put this in terms that we can understand. And even though the degree of agreement, the degree of oneness, unity, accord, and so on that existed in the church in Jerusalem far exceeds our concept, our present concept, our view of unity and agreement. I believe that it is attainable in the apostolic community. I believe it is attainable in our church. Uh, like anything else in God, it comes with pain, it comes with sacrifice. Uh, and so it is attainable, but it may not be attainable in any way that we think that it is. Before we begin, I want you to see what happens when believers are of one heart and of one soul. We see that in Acts 5, 12 through 14, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, there's no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and of women. So worthy of note, the addition of multitudes of both men and women, the writer is very specific about that, coming into the body of Christ, it did not threaten the unity that they had among themselves. It did not diminish the unity that they had among themselves. Their bond of unity and agreement was so strong that as the multitudes came into the kingdom of God, they came right into that same environment and that same unity. <clears throat> so a growing church does not have to sacrifice their potential for unity and agreement as long as they, as long as we understand this vital spiritual concept and how it is initiated among believers. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight in a little bit different way. We're going to come in a side door tonight. We're going to present some things in a few moments that will describe God's intent, intense desire for unity. God wants his church to be unified. We said last Thursday night that in order for us to be an effective church in our city, we have got to become unified. We have got to get in a state of one heart and of one soul. So it's God's intense desire that we do so, and I believe that we're going to present to you tonight the means through which this can be acquired. So what is this thing called the rhythm of agreement? The rhythm of agreement. I think you're going to see what is meant by that over the next few minutes, because just as the natural world operates under a very specific set of laws, so does the spirit world, howbeit the laws of the spirit are different than the natural laws uh, that we live by and live under. Fortunately, God has designed natural laws and spiritual laws in parallel so that we can understand spiritual laws by studying and understanding natural laws. Henceforth, the Bible is full of parables. In fact, uh, the 
uh, it is written that Jesus taught only in parables. He applied natural circumstances, natural laws, natural relationships, natural things so that people could understand the spiritual concept because he designed these things to exist and operate in parallel. So we will have a better ability or able to see the things that we can't see or understand the things that we can't see by the things that we can see. Everything that God created vibrates. I don't know if you've ever considered this or not, but everything in God's creation vibrates, and the speed with which it vibrates or the speed which with it oscillates is called frequency. Everything, the, the cloth on these chairs is vibrating, and it, the reason it is is because it's made up of atoms. Every atom in the universe, every proton and neutron is operating at a particular speed or frequency. Everything, the clothes we're wearing, the wood in this pulpit, everything that God created is vibrating. The atoms in every molecule are vibrating and each bond between atoms, or what is causing them to join together, vibrates at a certain frequency and in a certain direction. Now, I know that's not going to make sense for a few minutes, but hopefully it will shortly. So, it may appear on the surface that this has absolutely nothing to do with the spirit, but it does because prayer Praise and worship are assigned a very distinct rhythm by the Holy Ghost. Now, you and I both know there's a difference between praying in a rhythm and just praying. There's a difference between just singing a praise song and, and singing that song according to the rhythm established by the Spirit of God that's present here. There's a big difference in the two things. Brother Hopper called me one day, and he said, can you guys come by the church? And I said, yeah, what do you need? He said, I said, we'll be there in five minutes. We were just five, we, our trailer was five minutes from the church, so we hopped in the truck, ran over to the church. Uh, turns out there were some issues he was dealing with. He wanted our advice on our counsel on. So we're talking about uh, several different things. And in the conversation, I mentioned something to him. We were talking, I don't want to go into exactly what we we're talking about. But uh, I mentioned to him that there is a divine cadence of the Spirit in every service. And he just lit up like, yes, there is. And, and, and he kind of, he didn't kind of, he said, I, I wish you could get that across to my worship leader. There is a divine cadence. Now, when, and I'll tell every preacher, before I ever go to the pulpit to preach, I am feeling after the Holy Ghost. I want to know the cadence of the Spirit when I get to this pulpit. It has nothing to do with the songs that we sing. There's a cadence to the spirit. And what a lot of worship leaders don't know how to do, they don't know how to go from one song to the other. It's kind of like when, you, when you're marching in boot camp. You know, you march, but, but you, you have to stay in step. And so from one song to another, there is a certain cadence to follow. There's a, a pattern to follow. There's, there's a pace you go to and they go right into the next song. A lot of worship leaders don't know how to do that. Leslie is expert at that. 
she knows how to do that very, 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 very well. And so I, I, I am looking for the cadence of the Spirit because I'm going to preach with that cadence. I must speak with that. It's going to flow. If I, can, if I can get in step with the Holy Ghost, the message will flow. And if I can't, then, uh, then it won't. And not only can the preacher tell the difference, but the people can tell the difference as well. So while God never changes, the cadence does. God himself doesn't change, but he doesn't always manifest himself in the same manner or in the same way. That being said, again, all things in the universe are constantly in motion. They're constantly vibrating. Even objects that appear to be stationary, they're vibrating. They're always, there's, there's movement. There are frequencies involved. The, the human body has, various parts of the human body has frequencies. Now, uh, Reiki and all that garbage, they've picked up on that, and they apply that to spiritism and the occult and that, which is a bunch. Of, but the body operates at certain frequencies, and certain parts of the body will. Uh, and if it's out of frequency, if, it's, if the frequency is off, you know when somebody's singing off-key. You know that. Well, then, then the body will malfunction. There will be disease. There will be sickness. There will be things that will go on in the body. So everything is resonating at various frequencies. Albert Einstein says everything in life is vibration. They're finding out that he was right about just about everything, just about everything, if not everything. And so atoms are in a constant state of motion, and depending on the speed of these atoms, things will appear either as a solid or a liquid or a gas. What makes the difference? Why is propane different than uh, gasoline? Why is natural gas different than gasoline or propane? Their atoms are oscillating at a different speed, and that will determine whether it's a solid a liquid or a gas. Once again, what does that have to do with us? Well, I'm getting there. But if you consider how difficult it is to understand, to me, any area of physics and science and chemistry and things of that nature, if it's hard for us to understand the natural phenomena that God has created, then you understand there's a huge void between us and the spirit. If we can't understand, they say, and I've heard, I, I, I can't document this, but I've heard numerous times that two most difficult courses in medical school is anatomy and organic chemistry. Didn't go to medical school. <laughs> but if we can't understand the natural world, we wade into the spirit world sometimes, and we don't have a clue what we're doing. We don't have any idea what we're doing. We're just going to go in there, and, and hopefully everything will work out. And I think we miss a lot because we don't understand how the spirit world and how the spirit of God operates and so, uh, while we claim to understand how the Spirit of, op of God operates, I think that we don't. I think that we struggle with that. Moving on, we know that all sound is a result of vibration. 
these little bones in our ears vibrate and convert the vibration into audible sounds, words, other sounds, and so on. I have a, I have a very good ear. I can tell if some, somebody's off key. I tell you that, but I can tell. I, my wife does not sing on key, so I don't want to stand next to her when she's singing because I can tell. And it's because of vibration you can tell, okay. Um, it is theorized that even thoughts vibrate. I seen two or three years ago somewhere, it was a kid, and I mean a kid. I think it was high school. Might have been college, but he was very young. He somehow hooked up himself to his computer and he didn't have to touch anything. All he had to do was think, and the computer reacted to him. Of course, that's led to uh, limbs that now they can move their fingers and their, their, you know, just because it's theorized that thoughts vibrate, which sounds pretty far-fetched. But Psalms 139.2 says, Thou knowest my downsetting, mine uprising, and thou understandest my thought afar off. Uh, one place in the Bible where it says God was not in all their thoughts, well, then how would he know unless he knows their thoughts? Psalms 94.11, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Job 42 and 2, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withheld from thee. So while we are not able to measure the vibration, we have no means, no tool, no instrument through which we can measure the vibration, of thoughts God can and God does. Think about that when you think God's not hearing your prayer. God hears your thoughts. He's certainly going to hear your voice when you speak. Just because he doesn't respond all the time uh, doesn't mean he is not paying attention. Isaiah 59, 7, their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. So frequency, again, is essentially vibration and all things vibrate at different frequencies. We were talking about, well, John and I were service 92.5. That's a frequency. And you have a radio, a receiver that receives that frequency. And... Uh, They've learned to take that frequency and put it in so you can hear where it's incredible to me. I've been doing it for a long time. But, I mean, when they were able to send words over wires, they went nuts. I mean, that was the breakthrough of the millennium. But then when they could do it without wires, my goodness. An interesting phenomenon occurs when different vibrating things or different vibrating processes come into proximity one to another. They will often, after a while, after a little time, after they are vibrating in proximity to one another, they will begin vibrating at the same frequency. They are different frequencies when they come into proximity to one another, but after a while, they begin to vibrate at the same frequency. Now, I haven't done research on this, so I don't know if one gives up their frequency so they can vibrate at the other's frequency or if they both give up their frequencies and adopt a different frequency altogether, but they begin to vibrate at the same identical 
frequency. This phenomenon is called spontaneous self-organization. Spontaneous self-organization. And this natural singularity uh, means, and the means with which it is attained, I think can help us understand the spiritual concept of worshiping God in one mind and one accord. It's when worshipers, prayer warriors, come together in proximity one to another. We walk in the door with a ton of differences, different personalities, different problems, different things on our mind, different opinions, diverse races and creeds. and I mean, the differences are so stark, it is absolutely incredible that we can even agree on anything. But when we begin to worship God, all these different frequencies in proximity to one another, all of a sudden, we begin to vibrate, oscillate at the same frequency. You can tell when it happens. Song is going on, feeling pretty good. All of a sudden, you can feel the, the elevation take place. The lifting. What's going on? We're beginning to broadcast. We're beginning to vibrate. We're beginning to oscillate at the same frequency. And God is taking notice. The angels are taking notice. And we're beginning to understand the concept of agreement. We sing a song that mentions about something about changing the atmosphere. In reality, what happens is we begin to resonate at the same frequency. The atmosphere is the same. What's different is us. What changes is us. Instead of a um, hundred different frequencies going on at the same time and God holding his ears going, would you please get together in this? All of a sudden, we begin to present one unified frequency, and that's what praise and worship is all about. It will release the power of God in our midst. So in the natural world, God created these very certain and specific frequencies, and we know that uh, an opera singer can reach a frequency that's able to break crystal glasses. We've seen it done. Most of us have probably seen it done. Never seen it done in person, but I've seen it done uh, in videos and so on. But if a singer can break a glass with their voice, what can praise do? What can worship do? If they can reach a frequency that can shatter glass, do you understand what we have in our hands, what we have in our, in our grip? You understand what God has given us? We can reach a frequency in praise that hell begins to shake. Walls begin to come down. Strongholds begin to give way. Now, we don't know because we're in here, but it's happening out there. Addicts are beginning to have a desire to break their addiction. 
Things are happening in the spirit world. We have that power if we can get together in that particular manner. It is called the spiritual power of resonance. The spiritual power of resonance. So God determines the frequency that's required for such a profound demonstration. It's not, it's not the collected volume of our voices. It has nothing to do with that. It is, it is not, uh, well, we used to sing a song years ago out of the, when we sang out of the songbooks. And uh, we had one of our song leaders years ago in our home church. Uh, she sang 12 songs out of a songbook. I think it was 385 songs, but she sang the same 12. And, and it was a cycle. She'd come around to Royal Telephone. Telephone to glory. Oh, I divine. Anyway. She started singing that song when my first thought was, oh, no. But then I thought, I am going to worship to this song. And I started worshiping God and got a blessing. I'm the Holy Ghost come down on me. <clears throat> it's not the song. It's not the song. And so I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we'll sing a song, and I ain't feeling it. It ain't, it ain't, that, it ain't happening. It's not because there's anything wrong with the song. It's not the right frequency for God. God's not receiving that song. It's not that the people don't like it. It's not a like or don't like situation. We have to find what is pleasing to God. And, and let me tell you, everybody, if after 12 courses, if it ain't happening, don't sing another 12. Stop that song and move on. God's not going to feel any different about it 12 courses later. Now, one of the ways you can, you can sense things besides in your own spirit, uh, there are certain people in every congregation that are more sensitive to the spirit than others. If those people are not moved, then this is not really what God wants us to, the direction that he wants us to go in. Again, I'm not really talking about the tempo of a song because uh, that's not necessarily applicable to the cadence of the spirit. You can sing a fast song and then a slow song, and it's still you're still moving with the cadence of the Holy Ghost. Um, herein lies the importance of corporate prayer. corporate prayer. <clears throat> I really could spend the rest of my time talking about this, but I won't. This is just one aspect of the concept or the principle of agreement and how it works in a spiritual body, more specifically the body of Christ. It applies to virtually every facet of the work of God. It applies to every aspect of the work of God. We're together in a lot of things, but we're not in agreement. We're operating at, at different frequencies. 
and that's not unity. It will not produce the results that unity will produce. In God's creation, resonance is a truly universal phenomenon. It is at the heart of what sometimes seems mysterious, what many times appears to be unexplainable, but it lends itself to that thing that we mentioned a while ago, self-organization. We really can't explain everything in black and white terms. There's not anything you can really put on a blackboard. You can explain calculus. Well, not to me, but to some people you could. You can explain mathematical things. But what I'm saying is you can't put this on a blackboard. You can't draw this out and say, okay, everybody got this? It doesn't work that way. We have, to, we have to come together in whatever we're doing, outreach, ministry, giving out stuff. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're doing. And somehow our frequencies have to blend together until we are broadcasting one single frequency. It cannot be brought on by one person. I believe leadership is vital to the process, but one person cannot generate agreement. Ask Moses. He'll tell you. They're all following, but they're not in agreement. Any leader you see in the Bible, it takes leadership, but leadership can't cultivate this by them. In other words, one person isn't going to pull this off. You see, somebody's got to always get the credit, get the glory. Nobody gets the glory in this. Everybody comes together. We, we, we produce the same resonance, and God blesses. That's the way this works. It worked in the early church that way. You want to know why people are not coming in our door? We're not in agreement. Come on, we're not. I can't tell you. Here's what we're going to do. Get with the program, be in agreement. That's not the way this works. Why is corporate prayer so essential? What I learned when, I, when, when I'm studying the cross is everybody that came to the cross, they, they weren't worried about personality clashes and, and differences and opinion and, and all of this stuff. All of that faded into nothing when they're at the foot of the cross. We have to get to the place where it doesn't matter what you think, I think, we think. They, we all begin to come together as one. Pascal Fry is a German neurophysiologist, explored ways in which various electrical patterns, specifically gamma, theta, and beta waves, work together in the brain to produce various types of human consciousness. It's, it's really a mystery why people do the things they do. Who can, who can really figure it out? We're dealing with that right now. A neighbor of ours, very close to uh, Marcello and Heidi, all of a sudden he just up and left. He's, he won't answer my text, phone call. He just we talked to Heidi yesterday. She's torn up, broken over. They were going to retire and enjoy life. All of a sudden he's just gone. Who can figure? Who can figure that out? Something going on in the mind and the heart, the soul of an individual. You see, there's something going on in all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our souls, and it has nothing to do with the work of God, and that's the problem. Right. 
So it seems obvious to me that in order for multitudes of people, as we have read in the book of Acts, to be of one heart and one soul, a process very similar to what this guy was talking about has to occur within the people of God. What am I talking about? Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, why would God give you a vision of one thing, you a vision of another thing, you a vision of something? So we're all working toward our vision, but they're different visions. God gives you a burden for this ministry, and you a burden for that ministry, and we're all working for different ministries. We have different goals, different aspirations, different passions, and we're all just wearing ourselves out and going nowhere. That didn't happen in the early church. It didn't occur there. And when I'm reading this about these beta waves and theta waves and all this stuff that I have no, virtually no understanding about whatsoever, God can take our mind and he can operate within the wavelengths of our mind. What are wavelengths? Vibration, movement, resonance, until we begin to think the same thing. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, for who knoweth the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have, Paul's writing, we have, we, not just me, we have the mind of Christ. So, to suggest that what Pascal Fry's discovered happens in the mind of an individual could happen simultaneous in the minds of God's people is exciting to me. That God can work in that particular realm. However, for this to occur, he'd have to interrupt. Perhaps better it would say perfectly conform the gamma, theta, and beta waves of all of our minds within every saint of God until we are on the exact same frequency. So when does that happen? Let me tell you when it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with 20 or 30 minutes prayer before service. We get down are set, and we pray with a frequency. We get up with the same frequency. You get up with your frequency. You get up with your frequency. We start service. We're all on a different frequency. I'm just telling you the way it is. What are we talking about? Spontaneous. Self-organization in the spirit realm. Conversation we had with Brother Hopper, brother there for some time. <coughs> he has uh, his old sanctuary. He just built a new church, and the old sanctuary is now the prayer room, among other things. But he has a prayer room, and people will come in and and. Uh, pray for 10, 15 minutes, even the preachers, 10, 15 minutes, and they're up and down. You can't have spontaneous self 
organization that way. It's never going to occur that way. Well, there can be a special sovereign move of God that it will happen temporarily, but it will not be permanent. And so he, he's struggling with that. And so what I explained to Brother Hopper is that we as Pentecostals, we have learned to pray until we speak in tongues. Well, that's it. Got that. And I'm there, man. I talked in tongues. I'm saved. I, I felt the Holy Ghost. We pray until we feel God. We don't pray until we're moved or changed or altered. We pray until we feel God. And that, that's as far as we ever go. So what if what I'm talking about is down a corridor that's two or three hours long? Well, according to Brother Josh Herring and according to Brother Capitella, two or three hours down a corridor may not even be far enough to reach what we're talking about here. We want revival, and I'm going to be candid with you. I don't get Thursday night very often, and there's not enough people here for, for me to even say all this stuff. But six people in the back room ain't going to bring revival. Not going to happen. When 70% of the congregation walks in the door between 11 o'clock and 11.15, it's not going to happen. So let's talk about chemistry for a minute. You know, next April, my wife and I will cross a crossroad that the Simmons have been blessed to cross. Brother Con, how, many, how long have you guys been married? <laughs> we have a family consultation going on. <laughs> okay, I get it. I understand. Believe me, I'm married too. 40 years. Okay, we're gonna, it's going to be 50 years. You do not stay married for 50 years without chemistry. <laughs> Either that or you're in bondage. <laughs> if my wife is watching at home, sweetheart, I love you. Chemistry. What is chemistry? Well, I had a chemistry set when I was young. My parents bought me a biology set and a chemistry set. I spent untold hours with that. We didn't have video games, thankfully. Chemistry is one of the natural sciences, and it deals with compounds, and it deals with atoms and molecules, ions, composition, structure, properties, behavior, and things that change. They undergo radical change when they're combined together. That infatuated me when I was a kid until I learned that there's a lot of math involved, and then I wasn't interested in it anymore. <laughs> Amen. So... A perfect example of this is nitroglycerin. If I didn't feel like this is important to us, I, I wouldn't even be talking about this stuff. I think we can learn some things from this. Henceforth, nitroglycerin, you all know that that's an explosive uh, liquid. It was first made by Escanillo Sobrero in 1846 by treating glycerol with a mixture of nitric and sulfuric acid. He didn't know what was going to come about from that. I hope, I hope it didn't kill him. I haven't read his whole history. Maybe in his last experiment. I don't, I, <laughs> let's shake this up and see what it does. <laughs> hope he made good notes. <laughs> anyway, nitroglycerin 
with the molecular formula. I'm not even going to read it's a long, very long thing. It has a nitrogen content contains sufficient oxygen atoms to oxidize the carbon and hydrogen atoms while nitrogen is being liberated so that it is one of the most powerful explosives known to man. Do we understand that chemistry in the spirit, we need that kind of chemistry, the combination that will create a volatile explosion. So each of the chemicals that go into making nitroglycerin and each substance, they're innocuous by themselves. But when combined together with these other things, boom, become very, very, very dangerous. So every believer, everyone in this room, and if you look around you as if this is Sunday and, and there's a whole lot more people here, every believer is identified by certain properties, certain characteristics, certain gifts, certain individual qualities and traits that alone will produce nothing. Nothing. Until they're combined with other believers with different qualities and gifts and talents and individual things. And then together, we become a powerful spiritual entity in the kingdom of God. You think you're so gifted, but without the people of God, you have no power. You're worthless. You need what others bring into the kingdom so that we can produce something for God. Well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my identity. Right. I'm going to lose myself. Yes, exactly. And so many people are not willing to do that. I'm so blessed. I'm so talented. I'm so gifted. I'm so anointed. I don't need anybody. Well, then just stay and do nothing. You will never be powerful as God intended you to be until you're willing to combine those things with others. Ammonium bleach. Anybody knows what happens when you combine ammonium bleach? Don't try it. Don't do it. Take my word for it. My sister thought she's really going to clean the toilet one day when she took ammonium bleach, put them in the toilet, and whew, yeah, terrible. It, it can kill you. Fortunately, she got out of the room before the ammonia gas uh, damaged her lungs. What about oil and water? Anybody ever put vinegar and oil on your salad? I don't like vinegar, but... So you mix it together, what happens? You better pour it quick, because you set it on the table. <laughs> it's just a matter of... Very quickly, the oil separates from the water. They will not join together. They will not merge together. We have... We, as people have to be careful that we are not the oil and you are not the water. And the only time we're shaken up is when we're on a Sunday service worshiping, but every other time we are just, we just separate again. We come together for a, a few minutes, but, but as long as the Holy Ghost is shaking the church a little bit, we're, we're together and singing a song. But after that, we separate. If we're going to meet the needs of this generation, we're going to have to come into a state of agreement. Romans 12, 1 through 5, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Got to conform to something, right? Conform to God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members, one body, and all members have not the same office, for we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. If we place frequency and resonance in another format, we can talk about time. Time. I became very interested in time several years ago and have spent an inordinate amount of, pardon the pun, time thinking about time and it's just, it's just interesting to me. Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day that the Lord hath made, which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know what that says? It says that the day belongs to God. He made the day. We think it's our day. No. It, it, he made the day. The day belongs to him. So time is a rhythm that's established by God. If you took out your watch or your phone and put it on like, like a stopwatch, it's all, they're all going to click off at exactly, every second's going to be the same on every instrument, every watch, every phone. Because God's established. It's the same. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month. You see the cadence that God has set for man. It's unchangeable. It's unalterable. And it's the same for everybody. We live in this inescapable sphere of time. It's a resonance. It resonates. It, it vibrates. It seems very slow, but it's the way God has designed it to be. The movement of the planets, the stars, the solar systems, and everything in the universe is subject to this particular rhythm that God has established. Let me give you an example how relative time is. Have you ever prayed and an hour and a half went by and felt like 15 minutes? And you prayed and 15 minutes went by and it felt like an hour and a half. So if someone took you and held you down under the water for two minutes, it would seem like a long time. Or you're on a two-minute ride on a roller coaster. Man, I mean, it's over in a flash. It's the same amount of time. But it's di it feels different, doesn't it? And I can tell you right now, are you young people? When you get older, time goes faster. It does. It's it doesn't, but it seems like it does. Seems like it speeds up, but it really, really, really doesn't. So time's the same for everybody. Time is the same for everybody. Now, everybody will do different with their time. One person will cram a lot into 24 hours. Another person will choose to do absolutely nothing for 24 hours. Same amount of time. Psalms 106.48 it says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. You know what dawned on me not long ago, actually a couple years ago, I guess, 
and I was probably slow coming to the table. You probably came to this conclusion a long time ago. But when you look at God, it's like looking at a thimble full of water sitting here out of the ocean. And you're saying, I've seen the ocean. No. You've seen little water out of the ocean. What we understand about God and the things of the Spirit, do you understand how small it is compared to his omnipotence, his greatness, his wisdom, his, his power, his knowledge? Second Peter 3 and 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Can't comprehend that in a thousand years as one day. So if we speak of time, timing is very important to God. Timing. Ask Israel about timing. And you'll see it throughout the Bible. Timing is very important to God. How many of you have been in a service where you felt of the spirit to give a tongue and you didn't and you hesitated and this person over here gave a tongue? Or the interpretation. Timing is very important to God. Now I want to close with this. <clears throat> One professor states that rhythm is necessary for understanding events in time, for engaging in dialogue, and for coordinating and synchronizing ourselves with one another. Further stated that while many people probably do not think much about it, rhythm is extremely important in almost everything that we do. And this is even more true within the body of Christ. And a good way to grasp this concept or a better understanding of it is uh, through music. I'm not a musician. <clears throat> God gave me the love for singing, but not the voice for it, so I know my place. Music is all about rhythm and timing. Rhythm and timing. I, I looked it up. How many notes are there? Musicians, how many notes? You know, the, the number I came up with, every time I looked this up, 12. Basically, 12 notes. <coughs> And so, how many songs, different melodies, is it possible for people to come up with, with just 12 notes? They're writing hundreds of new songs every year. So I wanted to know, how, how many different moves are there on a chessboard? See, my, that's when my mind thinks, I can relate to things. Do you know there's more moves, if you count legal and illegal moves in chess, than there are atoms in the entire universe? And we think we have a grasp of what's going on in the spirit? We think we understand for a moment what's happening here when we sing a few songs and we start feeling a little bit. We have, we have no clue what we're wading into. We think we do, but we don't. I'm trying to expand us a little bit here tonight. So whatever other elements a given piece of music may have, such as in patterns in pitch or timber, rhythm is the one indispensable element of music. Rhythm can exist without a melody. 
but a melody cannot exist without a rhythm. I'm talking about a rhythm, a frequency, a resonance. A melody cannot exist without rhythm or what I think musicians call time. Three, four time, four, four time, more complicated issues than even that uh, to my understanding. So rhythm then is the most important thing in music. Ooh, man, do I feel the Holy Ghost. Rhythm is the most important thing in music. We focus on the song, but God's focusing on the rhythm of his spirit. I want you to understand this. The rhythm is the most important thing in a melody. Consider this for a moment. If you miss a note, one note, you'll sound bad for a moment. But if you miss a rhythm, now you're off the whole song. Rhythm is that important. I'm talking about agreement. There is a rhythm to the, of the spirit among God's people that create a sense of unity of one heart and one soul. It's not, it's not natural. It's not human. It's not caused by anything that we can or do. It's when we're willing to come together in our proximity of God and one another and let God determine the frequency with which we live and with which we operate. So just as musicians and singers must all perform in the exact same key, on the exact, on the exact same chord, in the exact same sheet of music, that's what God is trying to get us to do. <clears throat> musicians, you can come. I'm almost done. Should have been done a while ago, but I was determined to finish tonight. So what does, what does music do? You ever hear of the Psalms of Degrees? Anybody hear the Psalms of Degrees? Anybody? Well, there's psalms in, in the book of Psalms that are called Psalms of Degrees. And when the people of God were coming from all around Jerusalem to Jerusalem for the, the different feasts where they were gathering Jerusalem for, as they're coming down different roads leading into Jerusalem, they would sing the Songs of Degrees. Why did they do that? Because it put them in a cadence. It put everybody in the same cadence, everybody walking and marching in the same cadence. That's what the psalm did. One of the benefits of music in our midst is it at least gives us an opportunity to come together, mutually agree on one thing, one song, one tempo, one cadence, one melody, even if it's just for a few minutes. Have you ever heard the idiom, they're not on the same sheet of music? So, stand with me. Each musician and vocalist, this is very important, at least it is to me, they will practice their part so that when they come together to perform, they will each be able, they will know their part, they will practice their part. <laughs> So they, they will be able to perform, whether it's an instrument or a vocal, what they're assigned to play or to sing. But they don't 
They don't march in the symphony hall and go from their car to the platform, take their instrument out, look up at the maestro, and begin playing and singing. First of all, they have spent hours and hours and hours and hours together practicing the arrangements they're going to play and sing before they got there, but now that they're there before anybody else is in the auditorium and they're practicing, so it's not just playing instruments, it's blending those instruments. It's singing into where everything becomes one sound. So listen, personally, I hope you pray two hours every day. Likely you don't. But even if you do, if we each go home and for the next three or four days pray two hours a day and walk in this place and have church on Sunday with our corporate prayer, nothing will happen. We can play our spiritual instrument and be perfect in tune and know how to play as best as God gives us the skill. But until we merge those gifts, till we merge those sounds, we merge our anointing, we will just sing songs and go home and nothing more. Say, Bishop, do you have to be so blunt? That's the only way we understand it, folks. Say, I'm anointed. I don't care how anointed you are. Can you be anointed with another brother? Can you yield to the anointing of another brother? Can you blend to the resonance of another sister? Can you sacrifice your identity so that the body of Christ can be one and God's power can be on demonstration to reach the lost? That's the question. Because that's what the early church did. And that's how the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. The early church, like a fine-tuned orchestra and choir, was in perfect sync, one with another. Synchronized sound, synchronized in operation, synchronized in burden, synchronized in vision. Brother Glon, if your vision doesn't match mine, I don't care about your vision. All I care about is my vision. If your passion doesn't match my passion, you go ahead and pursue what you want to. I'm going to pursue what I want to, what I'm passionate about. What I'm talking about is when all of that comes down to one burden, one passion, one vision, one purpose for the sake of agreement in the body of Christ. And until that happens, until it happens, we'll continue to go through the motions that God wants it to happen. God wants it to happen. I've wondered, and I'll, I'll, I'll quit after this, but I've wondered what would happen if we would come on a Saturday night about 3 o'clock in the morning and start praying and move from prayer into worship. Bring your coffee mugs and let's pray. I understand a lot of people don't know how to pray that long, but come on. What would happen if we would move from that kind of an environment and atmosphere into worship? I'll tell you what would happen. The power of God would come down in this place. People would have to get the Holy Ghost. 
the fire would fall, the rain would come down, revival would take place because now we are in sync one with another. Praise God. I invite you to the prayer room Sunday morning at 8.15. I invite you to the prayer room at 8.15. If you really want revival, let's get in that room and let's synchronize our spirit and our burden and our vision and our passion and our hope in Christ together so that we can release it in worship, in praise, in the service. Well, it's probably my last time to teach on a Thursday night. I've enjoyed that. Uh, can't say same time, same channel. But it's something I feel very strongly about. I believe God is very passionate about the unity and agreement of his people. I don't think we need to sing. I think we need to pray right now. I think we really need to submit ourselves to God and ask him to help us with our concepts of how all of this is supposed to occur in our midst. God, change our concept, Lord. Help us to see things through the eyes of the Spirit. Broaden the scope of our understanding of these things that we will not just pray until we feel blessed and touched and thrilled with goosebumps. We will pray until the power of God begins to course through every man, woman, boy, and girl simultaneously. Help us, God, to become one. One, Jesus. Not different ideas about this and ideas about that, but one. One, in mind, one in spirit, so that we can see the kind of revival that our city needs. My God, we need your help. I don't understand chemistry. I don't understand quantum physics. I don't understand the study of, of resonance and of vibration, but God, I want you to take us into this realm in the spirit Take us into the dimension of your spirit and power so that we can experience what the early church experienced. My God, we need you to help us, God. We need a revelation. We need a revelation, Jesus. We need a revelation of these things, oh God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, 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 my God, we exalt you tonight. We worship you tonight. We are listening through the Spirit for you to speak to us. For you to instrokomate sandrovehin masherubatasa. Uriandehele marumasarabuyanda. Iteri kotaro kojendelebahun. Ita rulesa. Hallelura hatora. Haroha bahasatara. Areko mahareka yarehen. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. 
My God, breach this place, breach the veil. My God, breach this room. My God, breach the atmosphere. My God, breach every wall. My God, breach every stronghold. My God, meet us in this place tonight and broaden our faith, broaden the scope of our understanding, broaden the scope of our revelation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 My God. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken. They reached a place in the spirit where the physical world around them was affected by the visitation of God in their midst. The place was shaken. Church, it's not out of our reach. It's not beyond our grasp. It's not something that we cannot possess and attain if we want it. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for your attentiveness tonight. I appreciate it.